Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to center on two scripture verses today. Romans chapter 5, and notice with me verses 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So because we are righteous through faith, because we are in right standing with the Father through Christ, we have something, we have peace with God. We have been reconciled and restored to a place of favor. Amen. And then verse 2, which I didn't read, but verse 2 says, And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Righteousness means the door to heaven is open. Open to us. Righteousness gives you access. It means we have freedom and confidence to enter in. And we rejoice with a joyful expectation of the manifest presence of God in our midst. Not only are we going to heaven, but we can have a little bit of heaven right now. Hallelujah. But not only should we rejoice in all that is ours in Christ, we should also rejoice in all our sufferings for Christ. I'll say that again while you process it, while you decide what kind of facial expression you're going to give me. (laughs) Not only should we rejoice in all that belongs to us, because of Christ. Equally, we should rejoice in our sufferings for Christ. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 5, verse 41, that after the apostles had been arrested and beaten by the religious rulers, they went their way, they returned to their own company Rejoicing, rejoicing. On the way home from the jail, they were rejoicing. Why? Because they were set free? No, because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. They considered it, they considered it a great honor to be dishonored for Jesus. Mighty quiet in this Holy Ghost church. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, some Christians, some Christians seem to think that if you have enough faith, you will never experience any suffering in this life. 
bless your heart. I'm so glad you're here. Friend, if that's true, the Apostle Paul never had enough faith because he experienced suffering his entire Christian life. In fact, from the onset, God told him in Acts chapter 9 and verse 16, go ahead and put a smile on your face. This is good news. In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, God told him, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And you can assume that God did show him that. So that means Paul began his Christian walk and his ministry aware of two important facts. God told him, this, this is your future, Paul. Number one, you will carry the name of Jesus to the nations. And number two, you will suffer because of the name of Jesus. See, a lot of people want the signs, but not the suffering. It's a package. They go together. Hallelujah. I, I think that next Sunday, I'm going to bring a recording of people shouting hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. That's good preaching. And then when I point to the sound booth, they'll play it. Just so I feel that I'm with friends. All right. So here's what you need to know. When you got saved, how many of you are saved? Okay, put your hand down. How many of you are here? <laughs> when you got saved, God became your father. Woo. Jesus became your Lord. Woo Heaven became your home. Woo. And Satan became your sworn enemy. You need to be aware of this fact. The devil is not a gracious loser. You know, for you and me, it's, it's, it's a, a sign of maturity to be a gracious loser. That can be the name of your next book, The Gracious Loser. Anyways, <laughs> you know, if you come in second place in the contest, you can be gracious. You know, see, the devil doesn't say to a new convert, ah, I lost you to Jesus, fair and square, what to do. You win some, you lose some. I wish you all the best. <laughs> Are you kidding me? When you come to Christ, he paints a target on your back. Are you out there today? See, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. This is the New King James Version. Be sober. We could stop there and preach to some people. <clears throat> Be sober. Aloshe. <laughs> Modushe. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Hey, Peter wrote this letter to believers, not to unbelievers. The devil is not seeking whom he may devour in the world. 
He's already devoured them. They already belong to him. He's seeking someone to destroy in the body of Christ. You see, the devil is a troublemaker. And devil-inspired people are troublemakers too. The devil is a troublemaker, and he will do all within his power to create trouble for you. However, don't stop reading with verse 8. There's more. Let's go to the next verse, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Some translations say, with your faith. Knowing that the same sufferings, notice that word, the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So is the devil unstoppable wherever he rears his ugly head? Are we defenseless and helpless? No. By the Holy Spirit, Peter says, resist him. Stand against him. You have authority. Use it. That means you can stop the enemy dead in his tracks. Notice he didn't say pray that the pastor would resist the devil. He said, you do it. Amen. The Passion Translation says this. Take a decisive stand against him. See, that's interesting, decisive. That means make up your mind. Some people are like, you know, nilly-willy. Be resolute. Be strong. Be, Be confident. Be sure. Don't fool around. Take a decisive stand against him. I'm talking about the devil, not your husband. Take a decisive stand against him and resist Every attack with a strong, vigorous faith. Resist his every attack with a strong, vigorous faith. You do not resist the devil with your anger. You resist him with your faith. A strong, vigorous faith. See, some people just angry. They know it's the devil, and they're angry. And actually, the demons enjoy that. They love watching you get angry. It just thrills them. Look, look, we sent him up into space like a rocket. Even if you try to spiritualize it, quote a few Bible verses, it doesn't change the fact the wrath of man does not accomplish God's righteous purposes. You resist him with your faith. Some people speak faith words with a fear tone in their voice. They, ha- they know the words of the song, but they have the wrong melody. Not you. I'm just looking in this general direction. Right? They say, I resist you, devil. I bind you, Satan. Man, the demons just love that. They eat that like breakfast. Oh, man, they just enjoy that. That's not it. That's not it. See, here's what you need to believe 
that even the lowliest saint of God has authority against all the powers of darkness. See, you are in Christ. The Bible says you're seated with him in heavenly places, far above. That doesn't just mean geographically up in the air. It means superior to, in authority over, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. See, even if you're the little toe on the left foot of the body of Christ, you're still far above. Somebody get happy in the house right now. I'm telling you, that's good news. You need to believe that. Amen. Now notice again in verse 9, 1 Peter 5, 9. Notice this. Peter said that your brotherhood in the world. He's referring to believers everywhere. And he says they experience the same sufferings. See? Now, he especially is referring to persecution. But here's the point. Taking a decisive stand against the enemy will not necessarily prevent all suffering. Because you just got to be saying, resist him, knowing that all Christians are experiencing the same sufferings. Well, if you resist him and there would be no suffering, they wouldn't be experiencing the same sufferings. See, taking a decisive stand against the enemy will not necessarily prevent all suffering, but it will thwart the enemy's plans and render his assaults ineffective. Let me give you another verse. Ephesians 6.16 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Armor protects you, but you got you to take it. And I'll read from a different translation. It says, verse 16, let your faith be like a shield and you will be able to stop all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith will not stop the enemy from attacking you. He didn't say that would happen. In fact, the enemy will attack you just because you have faith. But faith will quench all the fiery darts that he launches your way. See, the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They will be formed, but they will not perform. They will fail. Are you out there today? So, we're talking about suffering. Notice in Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, it says, Paul and Barnabas went through the regions of Galatia, strengthening the faith of new Christians. They went through Lystra and Derby and all of these places, what is today modern-day Turkey, where they had gone preaching, strengthening the faith of new believers 
and telling them this in verse 22, that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The easy to read version says this, we must suffer many things on our way into God's kingdom. That's interesting. So they had a new believers class. They had a join class. And in that class, they told him, you will suffer for the name of Christ. Telling believers that they will experience suffering doesn't weaken their faith. It prepares them for the inevitable. And we are remiss in that area. I think many in our circles, you know, word of faith, rhema, whatever you want to call it, charismatic, many in our circles, many that we associate with, are guilty of false advertising because we have given people the impression that if you know the word of God, you'll never have any problems in life. Hardy, har, har, har. I don't know how on earth you could read the Bible and think that. And that's just the fact, they don't read the Bible. They just have a sound bite theology based on a few little video clips. You need more than Facebook theology. Some people don't even have Facebook theology. They have the back of a Tata theology. A Wazdo, hallelujah. That's their theology. <laughs> Yet, in the parable of the sower, in Mark chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, Jesus described some people who receive the word with gladness. Immediately, receive the word with gladness. Hallelujah. They get excited. They shout. They jump. They write it in their notebook. Verse 17 goes on to say, and or but, they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. That means for a short time. They endure for a while. Then when tribulation, that's what Paul said, much tribulation. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Is that you? It sure is a lot of people I know. In other words, these people heard the word and there was no fruit in their life. It's not how much you know. It's how much you grow. Amen. So notice, notice this. Notice in that verse. Put that verse back up there. No, no, go back to the previous verse. Notice this. That Jesus did not say, and then if tribulation or persecution arises. He said, when it's coming. 
God wants me to tell you students, it's coming. You better get ready for it. Not if, when, when trouble comes. And notice why it comes. Church, notice this. Next slide, please. On account of the word. Because of the word. In other words, knowing God's word does not necessarily shield you from all trouble does not exempt you from all trouble. In fact, knowing the word could be the reason why you have trouble. I'll say that again, as you stare off into space wondering what on earth is he talking about? Knowing the word does not exempt you, exclude you from all trouble. In fact, the reason you have trouble could be because you do know the word. Why? Let me give you an example. Does anybody here ever watch or, or understand the game of rugby? How many of you got folks, you know, ever watch rugby? You know what rugby is? The game, rugby match. All right. So imagine you are playing in a televised rugby match, Right? If you do not have the ball in your hands, no one will pay attention to you. Nobody cares. You're just, you could stand in the corner. No one would bother you. But when you come in possession of the ball, maybe somebody passed it to you, you picked it up off the ground, whatever, suddenly... Every eye in the stadium is on you. And you can bask in that glory for just a moment. The TV cameras are zooming in on your bewildered face. But it will be short-lived. Because soon, I think it's 13... Big, ugly men with some serious anger issues are going to come against you, intending to do you bodily harm. What? What's up? <laughs> Why? It's nothing personal. They don't know you. They don't know, you know, the name of your village or who your mama was. They don't care. They know this. The other team realizes when you are in possession of the ball, now you can score. Now you can win the game. When you know the word of God you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Suddenly, every demon in your little picturesque village is going, because they know now you can score. Now you can do great damage to their operations, and they don't like it. It's nothing personal. If you just let go of the word, they'll leave you alone. But don't you do that. 
Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody out here today? Amen. In Mark 4, 17, again, he says, when tribulation comes because of the word. The Greek word translated tribulation is flipsis. Don't ask me to say it twice. Let me get my lips wet. Flipsis. And that word, that word literally means pressure in the Greek language. Tribulation. We think he's not just talking about like the mark of the beast and, you know, and the, and the dragon, end time events. He's talking about pressure. Pressure. This word notes a troubled situation that brings trouble into your soul. It is an external hardship that produces internal conflict. Pressure, pressure, you see. Now, one thing I have to tell you is this. We live in an imperfect world. Things don't always go like they should be. The microphone cuts off, the live stream doesn't work. We live in an imperfect world. You understand? How many of you here are perfect? Please don't raise your hand. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> so you need to realize that not every disappointment in life is a demonic attack against you. Some people see demons under every chair a bugger behind every bush. That's the devil. The devil stole my toothpaste. The devil. You know, I, we live in, an, in a fallen world and, and things can go wrong. Are you listening to me? However, on the other hand, the devil, who is the God, small letter G, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him that, the God of this world, he will influence people and orchestrate events in an attempt to thwart or stop the plan of God for your life. Are you listening to me? For example, a man gets saved. Woo, hallelujah. And suddenly, his family is angry with him. Sound familiar to somebody? His friends abandon him. He loses his job. Someone steals his motorbike. What's going on? Na, na, na. What's going on? <laughs> you see, the devil is stirring up flipsis. Pressure. He's putting pressure on you in an attempt to persuade that man to turn his back on Christ. Are you listening to me? What should that person do? Endure hardship with a dogged determination that he will never forsake the Lord. Paul, in the face of impending arrest, and imprisonment 
said in Acts 20 and verse 24, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Listen, people prophesy to him. They're going to arrest you. They're going to imprison you. You're going to suffer. When you go to Jerusalem, trouble awaits you. And they pleaded with him. Good people, godly people, people who loved him with tears were telling him, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul, please don't go. And he said, none of these things move me. See, that should be the attitude of every disciple of Christ. None of these things move me. There's trouble. People are talking about me. Ah! Some people are writing articles about me in the newspaper. None of these things move me. I'm not just going to run my race. I'm going to finish it. Can I get an amen here today? Hallelujah. Or you take a stand on the promise of God. You believe that you have received it according to Mark eleven twenty four, 24. But then, instead of seeing improvement in your life, in your situation, things seem to be getting worse. And then the enemy shouts at you. He brings thoughts to your mind. It's not working. It's not working. Your prayers are not being heard. Your faith is not working. Hallelujah. So know this, that the devil is a deceiver. Is anybody listening to me today? Here's where the action is. The devil is a deceiver, right? If he tells you that your faith is not working, that's proof positive that it is working. If you're if your faith was not working, he would be silent. He wouldn't tell you anything. In fact, he would encourage you, just keep on doing what you're doing. You're fine. Your faith is putting pressure on the enemy. So he's putting pressure on you. Don't give in. Endure. Are you out there today? As long as you keep a tight grip on that ball, you can't lose. When arrows are flying your way, that is not the time to lay down your shield. Man, my shield is just full of arrows. That's the way it's supposed to be. Better to have a, sh a shield full of arrows than have a behind full of arrows. Attacks will come, but they're thwarted. They're stopped. They don't work. They're ineffective. They put you in prison, but God just brings an earthquake and shakes the place up. And hallelujah, everybody gets a better testimony. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Now, there's something more to say. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter 
chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Now, right there, you're going, amen, amen, amen. Well, one more amen. Or as a meddler. Some translations say busybody. What does that mean? Oh, it means mind your own business. I said, mind your own business. Not everything that's going on in your neighbor's house concerns you. Some people in Nagalan, I think the Holy Spirit is telling me to preach another sermon right now. Some people in Nagalan are just a little too curious. Huh? Some people in Dimapur know more about me than I know about myself. <laughs> mind your own business. Listen, you have enough problems of your own. Why are you meddling in somebody else's affairs? Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, not suffering be because you just happen to be a Christian, but suffering because of Christ. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. What does that mean? Rejoice. If you're suffering for the cause of Christ, then go ahead and get happy and rejoice in that. Hallelujah. So it's important to know this. Are you still here today? All right. Not all suffering is the same. Not all suffering is the same. The problem with, with the church, they have put all suffering into one bag, shook it up and poured it out. They think suffering is suffering. No, it's not. No, it's not. Some Christians are suffering because they are out of God's will. If you're out of God's will, could you suffer? When you get to heaven, ask Jonah. <laughs> He'll tell you. It was not pleasant. <laughs> but then again, some Christians are suffering because they are in God's will. I feel that way right now. <laughs> that means there is a righteous suffering and an unrighteous suffering. So some, some people are not suffering for their Savior, but for their sin. Right? Even though God's forgiveness is available to every one of us because of his mercy, that does not necessarily erase the consequences of my actions. It does not necessarily, maybe, but then again, maybe not. It does not necessarily erase the consequences for my actions. If I rob the bank, I'm not planning on doing it, so don't worry about it. Stop meddling. If I, if I rob State Bank of India, I could pray, God forgive me, and he will. 
But that doesn't change the fact that there's going to be trouble. God forgives. The police don't. <laughs> Lord, use this for your glory. Yet it could be the beginning of your jail ministry too. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if they put you in jail for extortion, don't say, I'm just like the Apostle Paul. A prisoner for the Lord Jesus. Let me write an epistle. Uh-uh. You're suffering for what you have done. For wrongdoing. Now notice this scripture verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We're talking about the problem of suffering. It may not be a message you want to hear, but it could be a message you need to hear. There is a difference between Christ's sufferings as our substitute and his sufferings as our example. You need to see that distinction. There are two different things. Let me say it again. You need to realize there's a difference between Christ's sufferings as our substitute and his sufferings as our example. In his death, he was our substitute. In his life, he is our example. Hmm? So on the cross, Jesus took our place. And there he suffered to relieve our suffering. See? So you don't have to suffer with guilt and shame and condemnation because he suffered for your sins. He took your place. He was condemned so that you would not be. You understand? Hallelujah. And we don't have to suffer with sickness and disease either because Matthew chapter 8 and verse 17 says he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. That could not be talking about Galilee and Judea. Because in Galilee and Judea, he healed the sick. But sicknesses were not put on him until Calvary. And what Jesus did in Calvary is greater than what he did in Galilee. In Galilee, he healed those people at that place at that time. On the cross, he was healing all people in all places for all time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So some Christians, some Christians say, well, this cancer is the cross I have to bear. No, it's the cross that Jesus bore for you. And what he bore, you don't have to bear. Or listening to me. Think about this. Jesus' life is the pattern 
for us to follow. I think everybody here would agree that we should be Christ-like. We should live like Christ. Was Jesus in his life, in his earthly life, including his public ministry, was Jesus ever sick? Where in the Bible do we read, and Jesus said to the disciples, today I have a headache. Peter, go find Luke. I think he's a physician. Bring me a, a tablet. Never once. He was not sick a day in his life. Not once was he sick. Was Jesus ever the victim of a crime? Where do we read? And as they entered Galilee, suddenly two men jumped out from behind a rock with an AK-47 and said, give us your money. Come on, Judas, we know you've got it. Not once. That never happened. Was Jesus ever the victim of a tragic accident? He fell off that donkey in Jerusalem and broke his elbow and other people stepped on him and they had to take him to the hospital and he came, he was preaching in a wheelchair for the rest of the, the no. That never happened, see? So that tells me then you don't have to suffer in those ways either. All of those things, sickness, calamity, tragedies like that, all of those things are part of the curse of the law and Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. You don't have to suffer that way. I know many do, but you don't have to. You can be free from that. Hallelujah. Just like if you sin, you can have forgiveness. Well, if you're sick, you can have healing. It's available. It was purchased for you. It actually belongs to you. Amen. Is everybody happy today? Yes. At least the students are. If you don't get happy, I won't feed you lunch today. So. <laughs> we'll have, I'll, I'll preach on fasting this afternoon instead. <laughs> However, there is a suffering that he experienced, which we also must share. I know you don't want to hear it, but we have to preach to you the whole counsel of God's word, not just our pet doctrine, not just our favorite verse. And you need to know this. There is a type of suffering that he experienced, which we also share in. He faced criticism, opposition, ridicule, slander. He was tempted by the devil. He was tested by his enemies. He was betrayed by a close friend. His family, his own family, they did not believe in him. And those who were closest to him when he needed them the most, they abandoned him. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 25, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? In other words, if they criticize Jesus, they're going to criticize you. If they, if, they, if they hated him, they're going to hate you. If they mistreated him, they're going to mistreat you. There is persecution. Listen, we need to develop stamina 
and steadfastness. Too many Christians have no root in themselves. They're superficial, they're shallow, and they're fragile. Don't be fragile. Easily broken. Huh? Somebody just looks at you the wrong way, and then you're all discouraged for the next four hours. Sometimes people think, Pastor John looked at me funny. I don't want to go back to the church. I see, I don't see so well at a long distance. I can't even tell who you are. You're just fuzzy. I, I'm just trying to figure out who you are. I'm not looking at you funny. Besides that, all of you are looking funny at me all day long. So. <laughs> Man. The usher puts you in a seat that you don't like. And then we don't see you for an entire month. You're fragile, buddy. I said, you're fragile. God wants you to be strong. Come on, if you cannot stand strong in front of an usher, you're kidding yourself if you think you can take on the devil. <laughs> All he has to do is say, boo, and you're running. <laughs> be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. God wants you to be rugged and resilient. Hallelujah. God needs to toughen you up. Are you out there? You cannot be a wimp. There are too many wimps. Oh, they're not here this morning. But when you see them, tell them I said so. To me, wimps. Well, there are too many 40 year old babies. Listen, let me help you. Most Christians don't need a miracle, they need maturity. A lot of things you just grow out of them, and they don't bother you anymore. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. I, I got I to end this, I've gone over time. I'll just read a couple of verses here. Hebrews 5.8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. That refers to Christ. We learn more from the hard times than the good times. We learn more from the hard times than the good times. If you had a perfect life, you wouldn't need a miracle. If everything was just always hunky-dory and, and peaches and cream, you wouldn't need much of God's grace in your life. Are you out there today? Your faith and your faithfulness are not proven when everything is going your way. They are proven when it seems everything and everybody is against you. Anybody can say, I believe when the skies are blue and the birds are singing and the children are smiling and even your wife is happy. Anybody can have faith in those situations. But when it seems all hell is breaking loose and you don't have a friend in this world and you're hurting and you're broke and you say, 
but I believe God. That means you have something that others don't. Come on, is anybody out there today? Hallelujah. Flipsis means pressure. Flipsis means pressure. When you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. When you squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out. When you squeeze a true believer, faith comes out. Adversity reveals who we really are. Not just who we profess to be, but who we really are. Adversity doesn't make you weak. Adversity only reveals your weakness. It's real quiet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before the cross, there's one more stop. Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means oil press. It's the place where he was squeezed. Jesus faced at that moment indescribable pressure. So much so that he even sweat drops of blood. But there he dedicated himself to do the will of God. Did he want to die? No. Did he want to suffer this way? No. But he obeyed his father anyways. Not my will, but yours be done. See, some people want to be like Christ up to a point. But God's telling you, we're going to go deeper now. If you want to share in his resurrection power, you also will have to share in his sufferings. No one is asking you to die on a cross for the sins of humanity. But there is a suffering that we experience for being in the will of God, for doing his will. I think I know maybe a little something about that. I remember many years ago when my children were small, my wife and I were in America, my home country, visiting with my parents, staying with them. And we had to sleep in different rooms because we didn't have space for everyone. And lying in the bed alone, I was thinking about, and I hope that you will not take this the wrong way, my friends, but I just want to be honest with you. I was thinking about many of the benefits that they would not enjoy growing up because they were not living in my own home country. There are adjustments, there are, of course, many plus points, but then there are some, you know, disadvantages too. And as I thought about that, I began to weep. And I prayed. And I said, God, I'm not going to sacrifice my children 
on the altar of my career. Just like that, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, you take care of my children and I'll take care of yours. You take care of my children and I'll take care of yours. And I want to tell you, he's done that. He's done that. He wasn't telling me to neglect my children, and I didn't. I didn't. That's not an excuse to neglect your children. But today, they're happy, adjusted, normal, blessed, and everything like that. But there's, there's a price to pay. It's easy to say, I want your will. I want your will, oh God. But there's a price. I want you to use me, God. There's a price to pay. Are you willing to pay that? Being in the will of God is not always pleasant to your flesh. I think sometimes we make a mistake. Maybe we make things a little bit too easy for people. Soft chair, air conditioning, you know, nice sound system. When I was a boy, we sat on a hard wooden bench. There was no AC. There was no sound system. And it was really boring. But we endured I have the backside to prove it. We endured. <laughs> Recently, last year, I preached in one church in America. I was invited to preach there, some friends. And after I was finished with my message, the pastor, whom I did not know, it was our first time at this church. When I was finished with my message, the pastor stood up and spent more than an hour rebuking me in front of everybody in the congregation. Basically telling everybody I was a fraud, contradicting everything I had said. I wanted to get up and leave. I was seated on the front row, like right about here. I wanted to get up and leave. My wife wanted to get up and leave. I thought about, I wish someone would shoot this pastor. <laughs> I looked to my wife, she looked to me. <laughs> Neither of us had a gun. Actually, our friends who had invited us to that church were seated there, and we didn't want to hurt their feelings. So we just endured. I will say this, when it was over, he gave us a nice offering. Praise God, that was nice. It's not always pleasant. Not everybody's going to receive you. Not everybody's just going to pat you on the back and say, you did such a great job. Sometimes they talk about you. Sometimes people are motivated by envy. In Nagaland, everybody's favorite sandwich is peanut butter and jealous. <laughs> You'll never be criticized by someone who's doing more than you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are you out there today? I gotta go, I gotta go, you gotta go, we all gotta go. But where will we go? <laughs> Let me read the scripture again and we'll close. Romans 5, 3. We rejoice 
in our sufferings. Why? Because we know something. Maybe before today you didn't really know this because we know something. Suffering produces endurance. Mere trouble and hardship will not automatically give you patience. It gives you the opportunity to develop endurance and patience. Are you listening to me? And endurance produces character. The word for character in this verse means to pass the test, to be approved. You'll never possess the fullness of all of Christ's attributes and qualities. You'll never reach your full potential only by praying and reading your Bible. You'll have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to live it. You're going to have to experience some things. Are you out there today? You can't be a quitter. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't be a quitter. I know you want me to quit my sermon. I will in just a moment, but you can't be a quitter. Why is Pastor John's message so long? So you will have endurance. (laughs) If mean people try to abuse you, you'll say, none of these things move me. I sat there while Pastor John preached year after year. This is nothing compared to what we got in church. I mean, we got beat up every Sunday. This is nothing. And character produces hope and expectation of good things. Why are so many in the church without any hope? They don't look forward to anything. They have no confidence that anything good is going to come because they run from trouble. They run from trouble. Some people pop a pill at the slightest disappointment, taking the easy way out, trying to escape. Life is full of disappointments, my friends, but God is faithful. And God is more interested in your character development than your immediate comfort. You're going to have to face some opposition. Jesus did. Not everybody's going to like you. It may not always feel good. Get used to it. You will be persecuted. You will be discriminated against it. Don't think the devil and his crowd will applaud you for being in the will of God. But be strong. Be resolute. Be determined. And say, none of these things move me and you will bear fruit. Would you stand with me to your feet today?